Eggnog is a drink that most people either adore or despise. There's rarely a middle ground. It's not difficult to understand why some folks are wary of the rich and creamy holiday drink. The combination of raw eggs, milk, and sugar might seem strange until one realizes that unfrozen ice cream has the same basic components. Those who fall on the side of loving eggnog look forward to winter, when grocery store coolers fill with every variety of the drink they can dream of. From pumpkin eggnog, to organic, to dairy-free soy nog, and yes, even eggnog-flavored ice cream. There are many delicious options to toast the holiday season each year. Eggnog purists argue that those who don't like the Yuletide drink have never simply tasted the real thing. Sugar-laced supermarket versions can't hold a candle to the homemade goodness, especially since the U.S. Food and Drug Administration permits that the drink can be made from as little as 1% egg yolk. That often borders on milk nog or egg flavoring. Let's take a journey reaching far back to the 13th century monks, Shakespearean plays, and traveling over to the Americas to find the creamy, rich history of this egg-based concoction, eggnog. Good. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. Welcome to another serving of Seasons Eating Side Dish, the podcast that explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So please subscribe so we can have other listeners join us at the Christmas table. If you have a quick minute, please leave a review for the podcast. It lets me know how I'm doing as well as helps others find the episodes. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker free of charge. Seasons Eatings can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All those links can be found on our website, seasonseatingspodcast.com. So let's grab a cup of Christmas cheer and delve into the beginnings of this creamy holiday beverage, eggnog. The origins, etymology, and the ingredients used to make original eggnog drinks are debated. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, nog was a kind of strong beer brewed in East Anglia. The first known use of the word nog was in 1693. Alternatively, nog may stem from noggin, a Middle English term for a small, carved, wooden mug used to serve alcohol. However, the British drink is also called an egg flip, from the practice of flipping or rapidly pouring the mixture between two pitchers to mix it. One dictionary lists the word eggnog as being an Americanism invented in 1765 to 1775. Babson College professor Frederick Douglass Opie wrote that the term is a combination of two colonial slang words. Rum was referred to as grog and bartenders served it in small wooden mugs called noggins. The drink first became known as eggengrog or later as eggnog. Ben Zimmer, an executive editor for Vocabulary.com, disputes the egg and grog theory as lacking proof. Zimmer states that the term nog may be related to the Scottish term nug or nugged ale, meaning ale warmed with a hot poker. The online etymology dictionary states that the term eggnog is an American term introduced in 1775, consisting of the words egg and nog, with nog meaning a strong ale. 
The first example of the term eggnog was in 1775 when Maryland clergyman and philologist Jonathan Boucher wrote a poem about the drink which was not published until 30 years after his death. Fog drams is the morn, or better still, eggnog. At night hot suppings, and at midday grog, my palate can regale. The first printed use of the term appeared in the New Jersey Journal of March 26, 1788, which refers to a young man drinking a glass of eggnog. In 1869, Dictionary Entry for Eggnog defines it as a mixture of wine, spirits, eggs, and sugar, and there's no mention of dairy products. While culinary historians debate its exact lineage, most agree eggnog originated from the early medieval drink called posset, which was made with hot milk that was curdled with wine or ale and flavored with spices. In the Middle Ages, posset was used as a cold and flu remedy. Posset was popular from medieval times to the 19th century. Eggs were added to some posset recipes, according to Time magazine. By the 13th century, monks were known to drink a posset with eggs and figs. A 17th century recipe for My Lord of Carlisle Sack Posset uses a heated mixture of cream, whole cinnamon, mace, nutmeg, 18 egg yolks, 8 egg whites, and 1 pint of sack wine, a fortified white wine related to sherry. At the end, sugar, ambergris, and animal musk are stirred in. Posset was traditionally served in two-handled pots. The aristocracy had costly posset pots made from silver. And if you're wondering, ambergris is a solid, waxy, flammable substance from dull gray to blackish color produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. Currently is used in perfumes as a fixative to make the scent last longer. Ambergris is formed from a secretion of the bile duct in the intestines of the sperm whale and can be found floating on the sea or washed up on coastlines. This ingredient is obviously very rare and very expensive which means drinks like posset was left to the aristocracy. Originally, the posset was a dessert or a drink made from curdled milk enriched with sugar and alcohol. It was often used as a curative for colds or fevers and is mentioned in the journals of the House of Lords in the year 1620 that King Charles I was given a posset drink from his physician. These drinks were kept warm and made in a special cup, rather like a teapot, so that the liquid could be drunk from beneath the foam that develops on the surface. Shakespeare mentions possets several times in his writings. In Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5, he mentioned the possets' medicinal properties, that it's made from curds. And with sudden vigor it doth posset, and curd like agar droppings into milk, the thin and wholesome blood. Kings and lords had their cream and curd possets, whereas we normal folk had to use bread to thicken ours. By the time we reached the mid-18th century, possets have changed. They're made from milk, but now are thickened with biscuits, bread, egg yolks, and almonds, or a combination. Sack still seems to be the most popular, and lemon possets make an appearance. Taken from the experienced English housekeeper of 1769, Elizabeth Raffled grates two Naples biscuits into a pint of thin cream, put in a stick of cinnamon, and set it over a slow fire. Boil it till it is of proper thickness, then add half a pint of sack, a slice at the end of a lemon, with sugar to your taste. Stir it gently over the fire, but don't let it boil lest it curdle. 
serve it up with dry toast. Mrs. Raffold also highlights the fact that you don't want your posset to curdle. Always mix a little of the hot cream or milk with your wine. It will keep the wine from curdling the rest. In the 19th century, Richard Cox, in his Oxford Nightcaps of 1835, mentioned those made from curds and those thickened with cream and egg yolks. So technically a custard, I suppose. Sometimes they were thick and sometimes drinkable, like eggnog. He mentions a black pepper-flavored posset that will promote perspiration in order to sweat out a fever. Due to its richness, the drink's earliest imbibers believed it was strengthening and frequently used it as a medicine. Records from the 15th century maintain that posset should be taken for medicinal purposes. For example, John Russell's compilation of household practices, The Book of Narcher, from 1475, notes that the posset and similar dishes such as milk, cream, and curds close a man's stomach. In addition to being beneficial for the digestion, posset was also believed to increase libido. In John Marston's The Malcontent, the Duke, Malavole, disguises himself and asks his wife's ladies how the Duchess handles having an older husband. He really wants to know whether she drugs him with aphrodisiacs. But in the course of his questioning, we also learn that the Marquerel, one of the elderly members of the court, feeds the young courtiers a special posset that features three layers of curds. The recipe contains 37 egg yolks, the juice of cocksparrow bones, the syrup of Ethiopian dates, and candied Indian erniego, the root of sea holly, all stewed over precious minerals such as pearl powder from America and lambstone from Russia. Curiously, there's no alcohol or cream. <laughs> Unlike Marquerel's posset, extant recipes in manuscript and print are relatively simple to follow, but they also require fine imports like spices and fortified wines. Nevertheless, the number of times posset is referenced in drama and the innumerable recipes we have from the period shows us that it was consumed in virtually every level of society, with some of the most expensive ingredients being substituted for less expensive ones. For example, ale for sack. Possets would also be given in charity to the poorest members of society, so everyone would have drunk a lot of it in their lifetime. Like posset in Britain, eggnog was originally popular among the aristocracy. Milk, eggs, and sherry were foods of the wealthy, so eggnog was often used in toasts of prosperity and good health. Those who could afford milk and eggs and costly spirits mixed the eggnog with brandy, Madeira wine, or sherry to make a drink similar to modern alcoholic eggnog. Find out how eggnog finally makes its way to the Americas and discover all of eggnog's cousins after the break. There's no secret that I love Christmas. And if you're like me, you have a favorite Christmas food, that means it can't be Christmas without it. For me, it's figgy pudding. There's something about having that steamed pudding that means Christmas is complete. But do you also have a favorite movie or song? How about somewhere to visit? Something that, for you, is the true meaning of Christmas? So why not let the world know? Head on over to ChristmasHalloFame.net and nominate those individuals, events, characters, and creators who've shaped and influenced the celebration of Christmas around the world. Get your nomination in and maybe your choice will make the Christmas Hall of Fame next year. Nominations and voting are absolutely free. 
but you have to be a member of the Christmas Hall of Fame to vote. All nominations need to be in by November 26 to be eligible for the next year. So head on over to christmashalloffame.net and get your nominations in. The drink crossed the Atlantic to the British colonies during the 18th century. Since brandy and wine were heavily taxed, rum from the triangular trade with the Caribbean was a cost-effective substitute. The inexpensive liquor, coupled with plentiful farm and dairy products available to colonists, helped the drink become a very popular in America. When the supply of rum to the newly founded United States was reduced as a consequence of the American Revolutionary War, Americans turned to domestic whiskey and eventually bourbon in particular as a substitute. In places in the American colonies where even bourbon was too expensive, homemade moonshine spirits were added to eggnog. Eggnog became tied to the holidays when it was adopted in the United States in the 1700s. Eggnog seems to have been popular on both sides of the Atlantic in the 18th century. Records show that the first US President George Washington served an eggnog-like drink to visitors which included rye whiskey, rum, and sherry. The president's recipe called for a variety of alcoholic beverages, along with the dairy and egg ingredients. One quart cream, one quart milk, one dozen eggs, one dozen tablespoons of sugar, one pint brandy, half a pint of rye whiskey, half a pint of Jamaican rum, and a quarter pint of sherry. The recipe instructs cooks to mix the liquor first, then separate yolks and whites of the eggs, Add sugar to the beaten yolks and mix well. Add the milk and cream, slowly beating, beating whites of eggs until stiff and fold slowly into the mixture. To let set in a cool place for several days and taste frequently. If you like your eggnog warm, the Tom and Jerry is a form of hot eggnog that was once popular. The Tom and Jerry was invented by British journalist Pierce Egan in the 1820s using brandy and rum added to eggnog and served hot, usually in a mug or a bowl. It is a traditional Christmas-time cocktail in the United States. Food historian Fred Opie of Babson College in Wellesley, Massachusetts had studied eggnog for years, and he expects dozens of calls about the contentious drink right around the holidays. While the drink has origins in British aristocracy, commoners wouldn't have had access to key ingredients like fresh milk and eggs. Others, like nutmeg, cinnamon, and cardamom, were quite expensive. The liquors used, such as brandy, whiskey, rum, and sherry, added to the richness of the drink. Yet even with these elitist roots across the Atlantic in the 18th century, it became popular in the American taverns and homes. Cato Alexander, a black beverage expert, picked up on the affinity for the spiced holiday favorite and turned it into a tool for wealth by catering to a mostly white clientele. Born into slavery in 1780, Alexander was eventually freed and began working in restaurants, inns, and taverns. He moved to New York City and around 1810 opened Cato's, a bar at East 54th Street and 2nd Avenue. Signature dishes included fried chicken, roast duck, and curried oysters, and Alexander made a good living selling drinks like brandied juleps and gin cocktails to powerful white men, including George Washington. His fame spread throughout the town, eventually reaching a New York newspaper, which posed the question, who has not heard of Cato Alexander? 
Not to know Cato's is not to know the world. However, even with this fame, few know that one of his most famous drinks was eggnog, and also a moneymaker for him. According to Opie, Alexander made the drink from scratch, and while we don't know the exact ingredients, his version of eggnog was inexpensive to make and attracted a large number of influential, mostly white, customers. As Alexander's business and name grew, so did the United States. In the colonial U.S., there was an abundance of dairy products and rum for the Caribbean. As such, the drink became more accessible and was popular among free commoners, white indentured servants, and enslaved Africans. Rum, known as the drink of the marginalized, became the substitute for the heavily taxed brandy and the wine in the colonies. Dark-complected, broad-shouldered and sturdy, Alexander was both hospitable and dignified, and though illiterate was, as New York historian Benson Lossing wrote, greatly respected by all who came in contact with him or almost all. From time to time he had to deal with drunken gangs of racist thugs attempting to break up his establishment, but he appears to have been tough enough to survive them and even stand them off. What he couldn't stand off was his own clientele. Some of his customers, as Lockley noted, borrowed considerable sums of money from him and forgot to refund. Indeed, one of his obituaries reported that, according to Alexander, he lost $100,000 in these friendly loans to the fast men of his day. His business could not withstand that, few indeed of the time could have, and finally, in the mid-1840s, he was forced to close. Alexander's last act was to keep a humble oyster and beefsteak saloon at 556 Broadway, down in the heart of the city. I have not so splendid a restaurant as I could wish, he told the reporter but he still provided, as the reporter noted, the best of everything. That was in the early 1850s, and it only lasted a year. He died in poverty in 1858, age 77. Because of pioneers like Cato Alexander, eggnog continues to be the choice drink of the holidays, but there are many other egg-based cousins ready for your consumption. Rumpope is a Costa Rican drink made from egg yolk, milk, sugar, rum, and cinnamon. The same beverage is found in Ecuador, Guatemala, Honduras, Brazil, Mexico, and Nicaragua, but for some its origin is Salvadorian. Others argue that Rumpope was born in the convents of the Pueblo region of Mexico. To prepare a good amount of Rumpope, mix the milk with sugar and cinnamon. This mixture is then cooked. In parallel, the eggs are beaten until they become foamy. Then you have to pour the milk on the eggs and cook again just like a custard. The milk should not curdle. Finally, alcohol and vanilla are incorporated, mixed and allowed to cool for eight hours. This drink can also be enjoyed hot on the spot or cold after resting in the refrigerator. Some like to garnish it with some cinnamon powder. You can thin out the rumpope by adding a little fresh milk or on the contrary, thicken it with heavy cream. Rumpope can be prepared with rum, cinnamon, and vanilla, but it's not uncommon to find flavored versions with coffee, pistachio, chocolate, peanut, or pine nuts. Depending on the Latin country where this drink is prepared and variants of the recipe, it takes different names such as rumpopo in Central America, ponche crema in Venezuela, caspiroleta in Peru, conquito in Puerto Rico, cola de mono based on coffee in Chile, or licor de ovos in Brazil. In Germany, you can consume Eierpunsch, literally translated to egg punch. 
This holiday drink combines white wine, egg liqueur, and sugar into a brewed black tea which has cooled. The egg liqueur is a thick, smooth, pale yellow drink made from egg yolks, sugar, and alcohol, usually rum or brandy. It is a relatively high alcohol content, so it's great to keep you warm in those cold German Christmas markets. The egg liqueur is similar to Advocat, a German alcoholic beverage made from egg, sugar, and brandy. Its rich and creamy drink has a smooth, custard-like consistency. The typical alcohol content is generally between 14 and 20%, and its contents may be a blend of egg yolks, aromatic spirits, sugar or honey, brandy, vanilla, and sometimes cream or evaporated milk. According to the Oxford Companion of Sugar and Sweets, its origins can be traced back to abacate, an alcoholic beverage of the indigenous people of Brazil, which was made with avocado. Dutch colonials of northern Brazil introduced this beverage to Europe as Advocat. As avocados could not grow in northern Europe, they were replaced with egg yolk, thought to have a similar taste and consistency, and the name derived from the avocado stuck, although the drink no longer contains any. There are many other egg liqueurs found around the globe, and many wonderful drinks which can be made from them. Plus, eggnog is the main ingredient in many holiday treats. You can find eggnog cookies, candies, bread pudding, ice cream, lattes, and cheesecake. The list is endless. Whether you love it or hate it, eggnog has become a holiday tradition. Thank you for listening to another Servings of Seasons Eating Side Dish. Seasons Eatings can be found on Stitcher, Google, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you think that drinking eggs and alcohol for the holidays is a little weird, you might like Craig Kringle's Weird Christmas Podcast. He explores all the interesting and weird aspects of the holidays, like why we put a dead tree in the middle of our house, or how Santa derives from a hallucinogenic mushroom. Just search Weird Christmas on your favorite podcast player. Or you can find them at weirdchristmas.com. I would love to hear from you. You can contact me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. You can give me ideas for future episodes, leave me a comment or criticism, or just say hello. Also, if you leave me a five-star review on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts and let me know, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. And speaking of drinks... Head on over to SeasonsEatingsPodcast.com and buy me a coffee. That's K-O-F-I. Just click on the cup of coffee at the top of the screen. Any donation is appreciated and helps me with the daily running of the podcast. Thanks again for having another serving of Seasons Eating Side Dish. All music used in this episode is royalty-free and used under the Creative Commons license. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.